Hello, I'm Darren Heath, and I'd like to welcome Caroline Stockman, Chief Executive of the Association of Corporate Treasurers, back for the next of our podcasts, continuing the theme around diverse teams and inclusion. Thanks as ever, Darren. One of the other things I've also noted about virtual or remote working is that there's more of a sense of a level playing field. People meeting together on Teams or Zoom are not in any obvious hierarchy. They don't have differing sizes of office, for example, and there isn't a board table with an obvious seat for the most senior person. This can have the positive impact of people feeling more able to speak up, especially with a hand raise function and chat facility. One tip to think about, of course, is to try to ensure you're the same size as everyone else on the call, as there's evidence to say that if you show up larger in the frame, then you may be seen to be more dominant, and equally, if too small, you may get overlooked. Another technique which can be used to ensure everyone has a voice is to set out a virtual seating plan for important meetings, which is shared with the attendees beforehand. And you select someone to start with their thoughts when a discussion is to be had and then move around the table, either clockwise or anti-clockwise. This and other virtual meeting techniques are available to look into yourself. And there's a lot of common wisdom out there as well as real research. So do think about it and how you can include your team in the best way. Some people find virtual meetings particularly difficult as they feel under pressure to react quickly as the meetings often take a more transactional approach. So be sure to have a clear agenda in advance, as well as pre-reading for people to reflect on as appropriate. A potential downside that we're seeing is that, with the pressures of homeschooling, etc. on families, it's often the woman in a heterosexual partnership who's taking the lion's share of the additional workload. Women are showing up less due to this, especially in the extracurricular stuff, whether it be speaking at events, joining something more social or outside work hours, having their camera on, etc. There are also cultural considerations such as being able to get your hair done if you have a very complicated style. And this is quite serious stuff where people's feeling of identity and self-expression are concerned. AI is something that's also been accelerating through COVID, as many of the barriers to accepting tech in our lives have been beaten down, And it can also be an issue working against diversity that we need to think about. Before using it in your organisation, think about the implications. If it's simply about data and trends, that's one thing. If it involves a human element, then we need to be cautious. As an example, there's the case of Amazon using AI as part of their recruitment process. Until they discovered that the system had been set up to look for masculine vocabulary and masculine qualities, amongst other things. The rather harsher example that Anne Marie Amaphildon quotes is the machine that identified two black people's faces being those of gorillas. What goes in is what comes out. So, this is a very stark and upsetting reminder that when creating something new, if your own experience is somewhat narrow or limited, which by definition it will be, then you need to ensure you have diverse voices included in the process. Otherwise, the results or outcomes will likely be from a one-dimensional, non-inclusive perspective, with results that can be hugely damaging. Finally, though, another positive from the pandemic that I'd like to highlight. Black Lives Matter. This movement has opened up a lot of conversations that are hugely valuable. 
speaking to members of my team, coming from a place of feeling I'm absolutely not racist in any shape or form due to my own experiences as a child, often in a country where I was seen as an outsider, as well as having a child of colour myself. When I heard that someone had grown up all her life being told in one way or another that her race had never achieved anything, that really shocked me. That conversation and others encouraged me to look for ways to take further action to make our society more inclusive. And I'd encourage you to have such discussions with colleagues as appropriate if you're not already doing so. I think, as I've mentioned before, as Louis Theroux said to me prior to an interview I did with him in 2020, the BLM movement and others during COVID have taken hold as people let the social media conversations marinate as they spent more time at home. And this has to be a good thing coming out of the pandemic. We've taken time to think about our lives and our true values. And the acceleration of such movements as Black Lives Matter, I hope, will spill over into other areas. And that post-COVID, the world will be a more inclusive place rather than having put us back in time, which is indeed a risk. We will all play our part in the shaping of our new world order. And I'm confident the Treasury community will be embracing the opportunities to create a more diverse and inclusive workforce going forwards, and that the profession as a whole will benefit greatly from that. It is, after all, in our hands. Thanks for that, Caroline. Such an important subject, this. And next time, we're moving on to talk about useful approaches to communication in a virtual world. If you want to find out more, do be sure to come back to us then. In the meantime, from Caroline and from me, goodbye and thank you for listening.